0: Hey, what's going on, guys? We are back uh, with Mr. Duke Podcast. This here is episode two, and this will be my movie review portion of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it, you know, right at 30 minutes or so. Um, And today's movie I'm going to be reviewing is Venom, starring Tom Hardy. Uh, It just came out this last weekend. Um, I actually went and seen it uh, Friday. I went and watched it at the IMAX uh, at my local AMC. I... I'm really honestly, I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. Uh, And actually, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, which, when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, I I have a really love-hate relationship with them, because there's some movies that they rate that you can almost just tell is purposely kind of biased, because it doesn't fit a certain agenda or something with the, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. But if you actually go and look at Venom on Rotten Tomatoes, you can actually see the critics have it scored really, really low. I think it's last time I checked, it was like 30 or 29 percent or something like that. But then if you look at the audience score, which is people like me and, you know, people like us that go out to the movies, it's actually really high. I believe the last time I seen it was like 89 percent. It might be 88. And that's like over, I I know that's over like over a couple thousand people that's reviewed that. Where the critics won, when it first came out, and they had it down to, I think, 31%. That was, I think, 36 reviews from critics. So, I mean, obviously there's like a huge gap in between the two. uh, You know, what they liked, what they didn't like. And, I mean, for the most part, everybody that reviews this movie, from what I've watched or from what I've heard from the people who I follow that review movies also... They don't necessarily hate the movie. Um, some of them are a little disappointed. Um, some of them are, you know, a lot of people really wanted this movie to be rated R. Um, and there's kind of a controversy behind that that they heard that the reason why it's not rated R is because they want to add it in. You know, kind of give the door open to a possible... Spider-Man from the MCU universe being able to interject with this, which if that's why, I'm fine with that. That's cool. But um, I believe they left it PG-13 because uh, movies like, you know, Deadpool, um, it's actually getting re-released around Christmas with a PG-13 rating. Deadpool 2 is. Uh, because it wasn't allowed to open, I believe, over in China. Um, they wouldn't let them open. And that's one of the, That's probably, I think, the second biggest market behind the U.S. when it comes to releasing movies, and, you know, that's more money that they can make, and, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, I mean, you you gotta think about it like that, you know, but from a fan standpoint, you obviously want your character to be the best represented in a movie when you go to watch it, so all that aside from Rotten Tomatoes, you guys go watch the movie, kind of make your own review, but uh, I'm just gonna get into my review here, and let you guys kind of know what I thought, um, The movie stars Tom Hardy, uh, Riz Ahmed, and Michelle Williams. It's directed by Ruben, I think his name is Flesher or something like that. He did Zombieland, and he's actually working on the Zombieland 2 um, movie after this. So I'm really excited because I really liked Zombieland. I thought that was a great movie. It had a lot of good, like, dark humor in it. Uh, The zombies were actually pretty good in it. And then the characters in that movie, I thought were really good. uh, In particular, Tallahassee and Columbus. um, Which Woody Harrelson, I'll get to him kind of later. But this movie in particular, it's kind of had a lot of controversy around it. This is Sony's take at a universe, a superhero universe movie off of Spider-Man's villains. Because I believe the next one they're working on is a Morbius movie with Jared Leto. And that one could turn out great. That one could be amazing. Morbius, I kind of always, like, growing up, I was a big Blade fan. So I always thought Morbius was more perfect of a villain for Blade. But I get why, you know, it's a Spider-Man villain too. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to see, you know, a spider dude fight a vampire? So I get that. And from, you know, other people I've heard that actually really, really like Morbius. I guess he's a really good villain. I don't know too much about him, but I am excited for that movie, because Jared Leto, uh, I know he'll go all in to play the character, and I just hope that it's done right. And, you know, hopefully the story and everything holds up with it. But with that being said, back to Venom. Um, The movie starts out uh, really well. Um, It almost has like a Predator-esque vibe in it. Uh, It has, you know, it kind of is... Starts out with, like, a space shot. There's a ship from the Life Foundation flying through. You hear them on the radio, radio, radioing in that They're coming back into orbit. And something happens to the ship. And the ship ends up, you know, crashing on Earth. And it crashes in a different part of the the world. And uh, at that point, the Life Foundation, you know, they hear back that their ship's crashed. And it has the packages on it. And so... The, everybody's trying to get to the packages, so they all, like, you see him on the scene, like, people cleaning up the wreckage and everything, and, and the leader of the Life Foundation, Carlton Drake, which is played by Riz Ahmed, who, I thought I'd only seen him in Rogue One, as, like, kind of like the, I think he was the, he was the prisoner, and I think he maybe might have been, like, a pilot or something, but I guess he was also in Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal, and I... Loved that movie, and I remember Jake Gyllenhaal's part, but I didn't remember him being in it. But I guess he's in that. But um, he's the villain in this movie, and uh, he's like the you know the founder of the Life Foundation. He runs the whole thing, and he's got this idea that these things from space, these symbiotes, that he's had them retrieve and bring to Earth. They will be able to if they can find the right person. To bond with they'll be able to make it to where eventually our world's dying, and when it does, we'll be able to bond with these symbiotes and be able to go out in space and live in space so he's like a an evil Elon Musk, if you will um you know he's got these big ideas, but not necessarily about helping our world but more getting us off our world, knowing you know what we've done to it. That way, you know, we can go live other places. So that's his idea. Well, the packages in the ship, it, the ship comes down and crashes. Well, they say, they tell him, some of the packages have escaped. And so he's like, well, how many did we get? I can't remember if they say, like, I think it was three. They, they for sure had three, I believe. And so he's, you know, he's like, okay, we'll get them here, get them to the Life Foundation. So, that's kind of the beginning of the movie. I mean, it's it's not... You know, like I said, it kind of had like a Predator-esque vibe because of the ship crashing and stuff. But uh, that's kind of where that like leads you into. And you can kind of tell that this movie just from the get-go, you're like, okay, so this is going to be kind of a... You know, this is really sci-fi. Which, if you're a Venom fan or a Spider-Man fan and know the character of Venom, you understand that the symbiotes do come from space. They actually have a home world. Um, so, but there's more than just one. So... That was really cool seeing that. And what was really cool is there was a little Easter egg in that scene with the ship when they're saying, you know, the people that didn't survive the wreckage and they see one of the bodies and they're like, that's Jameson. And that kind of hints back to, uh, kind of the night, like they have different forms in the comics, but I remember in particular in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, uh, Jameson is the son of J. Jonah Jameson, who... If you're a Spider-Man fan, you know who that is. The the guy that can't stand Spider-Man thinks he's a menace. His son is an astronaut. And in the 90s cartoon, he actually goes up there and the symbiote gets on him and they bring it back. And then it, you know, gets to Spider-Man and everything. But um, So that was really cool, that little Easter egg. I really enjoyed that. But So then once... It gets kind of past that scene, and you see, you know, that they do have some, and they load them up into ships and head towards the Life Foundation. Then the movie switches, and the movie goes over to Eddie Brock, played by Tom Hardy, and his current fiancée, played by Michelle Williams. And it kind of starts building that relationship. It shows you, you know, who this Eddie Brock guy is. Um, He's kind of like, you know, he's this reporter, that, you know, uncovers these stories, you know, he works for this, uh, like, newspaper-ran site, but, I mean, it's more, like, online, um, so he's, he's, like, the thing, he's, like, it at the time, like, everybody loves hearing his reports, because, you know, they're hard-hitting, stuff in his reports, you know, are about, you know, a landfill that, you know, the crap's getting dumped that could be hazardous to our health and everything. He's the guy that uncovers all this and lets the people know. So, you see that he's made a name for himself in San Francisco, which is where this movie is set. Um, he actually, when him and his character, when him and Michelle Williams' character go out on a date, um, they're talking because he says that his next interview is with Carlton Drake of the Life Foundation. And, his fiance is actually, she works for a law firm that represents the Life Foundation. And if you've seen the trailers, you kind of see him talking, and he tells her, you know, they're shady and everything, but uh, she's like, Well, you don't want to, you know, something happen. She's like, Because you won't have any connects. You might lose your job if you say something wrong, you know, because he's got that power. And she's like, You don't have any of your connects in New York. You got ran out of New York. And that, again, is another kind of little Easter egg because Eddie Brock is in New York and starts out kind of as a daily bugle reporter. And he's trying to make a name for himself in New York. And I can't remember if it's spider I think Spider-Man exposes him for falsifying a story. And then I think Peter Parker's the one that brings it to light. So that's why Eddie Brock in the comics, and I believe in the cartoon too, he has this hate for Spider-Man almost as much as his hate. Well, I think he actually hates Spider-Man more than he hates, uh, Peter Parker so since he does that then needless to say like you kind of get that easter egg that like oh he got ran out of New York so something happened but if it is set in the MCU then obviously you would know that that wasn't Peter Parker from Spider-Man Homecoming because he doesn't even work for the Daily Bugle so I mean that's kind of like a an iffy area where you kind of think, well, maybe this is tied. Maybe this isn't, or maybe they're just, you know, hinting that that's why he's in San Francisco. But he tells her, he's like, look, I'm going to interview him. I'm going to ask him questions, but he's, he's not a good guy from what I heard. He, he's shady. There's, there's stuff going on behind the life foundation that, that I I just, I don't trust this guy. And she's like, well, play nice. And he's like, well, I'm going to do my job. So, He gets the interview set up for Carlton Drake, and he kind of finds out some, uh, digs up some dirt on him. And then once he gets the dirt digged up, then when he interviews Carlton Drake, he actually ends up bringing it to light. And you can tell it upsets Carlton Drake, uh, really makes him mad, so he's like, nope, we're done with this interview. And Eddie just keeps on while he's, you know actually getting pushed out of the building by Carlton security. You know, he keeps on, you know, saying, you know, well, what about this? What about this allegation? And he's like, see ya, see ya, Mr. Brock, have a nice life. And Eddie, I guess, doesn't realize that he just put really everything in jeopardy because then you see that actually Eddie gets in some pretty deep water because of the interview with Carlton Drake, because of, you know, him being such a shady type character so it kind of him being those reporters that's on like the you know plays everything off the chest you know he's not you know afraid to ask certain questions well it ends up backfiring on him this time and kind of makes him hit this boom rock bottom point point. and so you really see that he's like the one interview that he did that he wasn't afraid to ask the, the real serious questions one because of his distaste for the guy and everything actually ended up hurting him in the long run um so he kind of you know you kind of see him he's like calling for jobs and stuff and he's he's this and that you know trying to make ends meet and everything and kind of some stuff comes up between him and his fiance that really kind of sets them on a rocky road um But then he's in a grocery store, and he kind of sees some stuff, or yeah, he's in like a convenience store, I think it is, and he kind of sees some stuff going on in there that takes place that he doesn't really care for, but you kind of notice that he's kind of like looking over his shoulder, well, he's being followed by one of the scientists at the Life Foundation, because uh, some other stuff that happens in between this kind of starts showing you Carlton Drake's true colors, kind of starts showing you that he doesn't care what it takes, meaning whether it be, you know, humans' lives depending on it or not, he's trying to get this to work. Um, so immediately you get that, okay, this guy is, this is exactly what Eddie thought about this guy, is exactly right. Um, well, one of the scientists is there and she's following him and she's like, I need you to help me bring him down because he doesn't realize what he's doing and what he's messing with well eddie lets her know he he's not really about that because last time he went there it changed his life for the worse and you know she really begs him to and eventually he kind of goes through some things after speaking to her where he realizes you know what this guy kind of ruined my whole life that i had going for me so i'm gonna do the same to him i'm gonna get hardcore evidence against this guy and i'm going to bring it up and that's how i'm going to make my name back so being that said she actually helps him sneak into the life foundation to kind of research what's going on behind closed doors and that's where eddie really first meets the symbiote venom and if you're a spider-man fan or venom fan which i'm a really big venom fan and uh actually prefer him over spider-man because it's not necessarily i didn't like spider-man the character because i I think spider-man's a great character easily one of marvel's best but growing up i was more batman and x-men but when i seen venom and venom is a villain yes venom is very much a villain um which then later in the comics they kind of turn venom and shift him into an anti-hero where he's this like he has actually a line a comic line called lethal protector you know he's he's He ends up finding out, you know, there is good guys and there's bad guys. And, you know, you can do the things to the bad guys by protecting the good guys. And then kind of what you do justifies it. Because they're bad. And much like the Punisher, you know, he's really an anti-hero at that point. But um, this is where, in the movie, like, Venom and Eddie first kind of come to each other. And a lot of people in their reviews will tell you, in the movie Venom... The absolute best part about this movie is the interaction between Eddie Brock and Venom, and I can tell you, I absolutely agree a hundred percent uh what Tom Hardy does with this is really really good he's one of those he's actually one of my top favorite actors working in Hollywood today um, him and Oscar Isaac are those type of actors that you know, if you wanted them to play the old lady on the corner waiting for the daily newspaper to come out on a Wednesday, you'd be just amazed when you watch that movie or whatever that they're they're that person because you believe it. They're so good at, you know, being able to put themselves into this character and then make you believe it when you watch it. Because there's a lot of actors you watch that you're like, oh, yeah, they don't really do it for me. And that's kind of the big problem with a lot of people in their reviews they have with Carlton Drake played by Riz Ahmed, they believe he's just miscast. They believe that the character wasn't wrote very well. Um, they believe it wasn't that great of a villain, which I kind of get that, but also my, here's my thing with the movie. I went into this movie. I didn't really have any expectations other than I believe Tom Hardy was going to crush it. I believe that Tom Hardy was going to get the Eddie Brock and Venom dynamic down, and that was really the only thing when I went into this movie I cared about. I already knew that there was not going to be anything to do with Spider-Man in this movie, so I knew he wasn't going to have the White Spider on his chest. Um, I knew he wasn't going to really kind of swing like how Spider-Man does because the symbiote hasn't bonded with Spider-Man yet. Because they never made that, they made it clear that this, this he hasn't met. Spider-Man prior to this movie so I knew that but my problem with a lot of people with their reviews is they and I get it I get I get understand like what you're saying because everybody wants a movie to be just amazing I get that but this is an origin movie much like the 2014 Amazing Spider-Man much like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man much like Batman Begins like those type of superhero movies but really if you think about it a lot of those origin movies, the villains don't typically, they aren't typically the the best thing in that movie. You know, like Deadpool 1, uh, Ajax, I think he's one of the most forgettable villains in a movie you'll ever watch, really. I mean, I actually prefer Deadpool 2 way more than that, because uh, Cable, who kind of is the villain in that movie, you know, about halfway through, um... You actually care. You want to know why. You know Josh Brolin does a great job of you know fleshing that character kind of out with what he's given. Where Ajax, he's douchey. You know he he he. You get that he's there and he's the one that did this to Wade, but like he's not that great of a villain. And that's the thing with superhero movies and even hero movies, I guess. Um, there's very, very far and few between that the very first movie has a really good villain in it. Uh, I mean, for example, like Black Panther, Killmonger is a great, great villain for that movie. Like, because in that movie you rooted not only for T'Challa, but you also kind of rooted for Killmonger. Because you're like, yeah, you know, his he's kind of making sense with his, you know, point. And then also T'Challa, too. I mean, I get it. It's... They both have this war they're struggling with like that. That's great. And see, that's what the director and the writer took because the character of Killmonger has this really good backstory in the comics anyway. And then the writer and the director of the movie, they took that really good backstory. They tweaked it just a little bit for the movie and then they put it in there and you're, you're amazed by it. Michael B. Jordan did awesome with that role. Um, Another villain that did, I think, pretty good for the first movie in, like, a superhero trilogy uh, is Deacon Frost and Blade. I think, I remember watching that movie when I was younger, and he horrified me. Like, he legit scared me because of, you know, he was a vampire, yes, but, like, uh, when the, the familiar, as Blade calls him the cop, you know, comes up to him and tells him, you know, I didn't get the job done, he just, he bleeds the guy right there right there in front of everybody and, you know, just lets him bleed and then pff, lets him fall back into the pool, covered in blood. Like, it scared me as a kid because I'm like, this guy is just full-on evil. Like, evil, evil, evil. And uh, I think that that right there, when I went into this movie, I knew that Carlton Drake of the Life Foundation, I doubt that he was going to be that great of a villain because, really, Jeff Bridges in Iron Man 1 his character's kind of similar, you know, They, they, they want to do very bad things, and they're in such high power and everything, but, like, you don't hear Obadiah Stane is better than Lex Luthor when it comes to comparing villains like that, because Lex Luthor has really been fleshed out, has a really good backstory, where Obadiah Stane, which, don't get me wrong, he he might have a, an okay one, but I've never really heard much about him, and I've never really heard much about Carlton Drake. Um, I get that the Life Foundation is this evil corporate place, and that's really easy to put into a movie. Like, that's that's a really good filler. Like, it's not amazing, it's not over the top, but everybody kind of, you know, can be like, yeah, that, that corporate business, you know, and the, the rich guy in there, you know, they're they're shady. They're, you know, they're making their money off of people that, you know, don't even know what they're getting themselves into and everything. Like, I get that. So that's why I did not expect Riz Ahmed as Carlton Drake, the founder of the Life Foundation, to be this, you know, well-fleshed out, amazing villain in this movie. And, You know, some people, that that's a sin. That's like, well, then why go watch the movie anyway if you don't at least want the villain to be just as fleshed out as, you know, the hero in the movie? Well, that's because it's a Venom movie. The hero is actually the villain, and it's Venom. Because Venom is not a hero. Venom's an anti-hero. So I did not go in expecting Carlton Drake to be this amazing villain. But back to that, we get the first meeting of Venom... And Eddie Brock, when he goes to the Life Foundation to dig up dirt on him. And it attaches to him. And the way it attaches to him is really cool. kind Because it's kind of in the story. You see Eddie Brock has these people around San Francisco. That he's been involved in their lives. And he's, you know, been nice to them and stuff. Well, he when he runs into Venom at the Life Foundation. It has something to do with, similar to that. And right then, once he gets the symbiote on him. And and Tom Hardy's really, really good at this point in the movie because while filming this, he recorded all the lines for Venom. And then for his Eddie Brock scenes, he would wear an earpiece when Venom would be speaking to Eddie in his head. And then the sound guys would play Venom's line, and then he would just react to it. He would react to what Venom was saying. And you can really see how well and how great he made that, like, authentic-looking doing that and that's one of the main things that everybody every single person even the people that hated this movie talk about is how well the interaction between the two when he's speaking into his head Tom Hardy plays this because Eddie Brock and Venom are, you know, these two things trying to coexist into one body. And Eddie don't know whether to just give all into Venom or whether to fight it and you know Venom needs Eddie as this host for him to be in, you know, but he's also there to protect Eddie. So the movie's really great with that. There's actually a scene where Eddie's kind of going through some things, which if you watch the trailer, you'll see there's a couple of scenes that actually in the trailer, which I can't believe Sony gave away really so much. Definitely some of the action scenes, but um, where he's in his apartment and these guys storm in and they want the package back to give it to Carlton Drake. And, uh, you know, it's Venom that they're talking about, and Venom helps Eddie fight him off and everything. That was really good. And Venom being in Eddie's head gives this great, almost, like, dark humor, because Venom's kind of trying to learn about Eddie's world, and learn about Eddie, too, because he's, you know, inside of him, so he's, like, curious about some of the things that goes on. And that, that honestly leads to some great humor in the movie. But, uh, no, there's actually a scene where Eddie goes in to a restaurant where his, uh, fiance, or Michelle Williams' character, is eating. And he's trying to explain to her some stuff. And he is just having this freak out, you know, because uh, the symbiote's, like, attached to him. And it's making him almost, like, sick and stuff. And he, there's this lobster tank that, uh, I don't, I. I don't know if this was Tom Hardy's idea or if this was in the script, but it was it was so good. It made me smile just kind of watching him do this because I'm like, man, who came up with that idea? Because that was great. But he just he's in there and he's talking to her and he just like he's like, I'm hot, I'm hot. And they're in this like almost like it's a nicer place, but like Red Lobster has their tank with the crabs and everything. In it. And he just goes and just jumps in it and he's like, oh, that's much better. And he's just sitting in it talking to her. And you're like, oh my gosh. People must think this guy's crazy. You know? And I thought that was really, really good. Um, It was really one of the funnier moments in the movie. But there was a couple scenes in it. And watching it in IMAX, I can say, when Venom does show himself, which I was watching. I can't remember who it was. I was watching somebody before I went and seen the movie. And they said it took about an hour for Venom to actually show up. And that's about right, it's about right at an hour in, but it it doesn't necessarily hurt the movie, because there's some superhero movies, I believe Spider-Man 1, it took right at an hour before you seen him in the Spider-Man suit, and you know, that was really good, I mean, it, it didn't seem like it was that long, um, because Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, like he kept you entertained. And then when the venom symbiote attached to him leading up to it, like you were really like, okay, I'm invested. Like I I can't wait now to see when venom shows up. So when venom shows up, it's great. He looks great. He's bigger. Um, which was one of my problems with Spider-Man three. Um, other than Topher Grace playing Eddie Brock. Um, he, you know, he's actually like this big giant hulking stature of a monster. Um, which I think is really really great but uh so after you see him and you kind of see some of the action scenes watching in IMAX I was like wow this is good this is really really good um I enjoyed it a lot of people said that they have a problem with it because Venom is a black character most of the fight scenes are at night so trying to see what a black character is doing at night is just it hurts their brain to watch um I didn't necessarily have that problem because there's like in the movie, there's a lot of bluish tints to some of the darker scenes. And then there, you know, there's obviously these different lights that kind of illuminate the backgrounds and stuff to where I really didn't have that problem with watching the movie. But, you know, maybe that was just me because, I mean, I, I I didn't really see what they were saying about that um, there. I will say they did say that there's some of the action scenes are kind of hard to follow what exactly is going on. And I'll say with the big finale action scene that happens at the end of the movie, I kind of had that problem. Um, it kind of, you know, it did kind of throw me off because I was like, oh, what What exactly is going on? But when you see what's going on in the fight scene, because I, I'll tell you that Riot is in the movie. And if you were a comic book fan, you know that you probably seen him in the trailers. He's... The main villain. Um, Which, Riot is another symbiote that come with... Which, by the way, I say symbiote. Some people are saying symbiote. However you want to say it, it don't matter. Just say whatever you want. I just say symbiote because when I watched the cartoon and when I read the comics, that's how I interpreted it. So, it's up to you however you want to say it. Because I know that was a big controversy when this movie came out. But riot is in the movie it's another symbiote it's kind of silverish to a tent and you see actually a couple other ones there's like a yellow one and i don't know if it i don't know if it was because of the lighting that venoms looked blue it might have been or maybe that's a completely different one but there's a yellow one in it and then uh riot is like silver he's a silver looking symbiote but um it actually makes its way to carlton drake and it bonds with him and Riot and Carlton Drake kind of have similar ideas on what they're wanting to do. So Carlton Drake just gives completely over to Riot. Where Eddie Brock, through the whole movie, is struggling to let Venom stay inside of him. Because, you know, he calls, he keeps calling him a parasite. And that's one of the funnier parts of the movie, too, is that Venom hates, hates being called a parasite. So every time he says, you know, I've got this parasite in me, Venom's in his head. He's like, what? Parasite? You know, that's disrespectful or stuff like that. And you're just like, oh, that's kind of actually really funny. But, um no, Venom's all the time wanting to, uh he's wanting to kill and eat, um, which is really cool because then Eddie Brock has to like, you know, try to do deterrence for not wanting to kill in particularly, like people and, you know, eat them and everything. And there's a couple of funny lines that Venom says to Eddie about, like, whenever he gets in these big action sequences and it's over. There's a couple of funny things that he says to Eddie that people, I think, got a kick out of. My theater did and I did, but... um No, the movie really shapes up, and once Eddie and Venom connect, then that's when the movie really picks up which it is right at an hour when it really, really picks up because it's an origin movie. So that first hour is all about building. It's all about letting you know who Eddie Brock is. It's all about letting you know how Venom even came to Earth. Everything like that. But then once you get them together, and for the people that know Venom, that's all you were really wanting for the movie. you like, oh my, finally, 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 I get to see this. And then the people that, you know, this is their first time going to watch it, even them, they're like, wow, when he he bonded with Venom, oh, man, the movie got so much better. And it really does. It really, really does. So, once you get to that point, then there's kind of that last, which I think the movie comes in right at under um, two hours. So, really, you only have, I think, about 45 minutes after Venom first makes his appearance. And I'll tell you, that last 45 minutes is very Venom-heavy. Like, if you thought, man, I didn't really get to see him that first hour, that kind of sucks. I hope that's not the way the whole movie was. And there was actually controversy around it that they were going for this, like, really dark horror style of movie to where you're barely going to see Venom, you know, until, like, the very last. They were absolutely wrong with that because Venom, that after that hour mark... And you even still kind of see some of Venom because he's, like, helping Eddie, like, with, like, limbs and stuff. that he shoots out, you know, the black goo. Um, Even after that hour mark, like, before that hour mark, you see that. But after it, man, there's so much Venom in it that being a Venom fan, I was just, oh, I clamored for. And they gave me what I wanted. But basically, a lot of things happen after he gets the symbiote on him where he's trying to get rid of it. And then Riot comes to... Carlton Drake bonds with him, and then they construct this plan that they're going to go get more symbiotes and bring it back. And Venom understands that and finds out, and Venom's like, we can't let that happen, Eddie. So there's that opposition. You know, Riot and Carlton Drake are wanting to bring these symbiotes back, and Eddie and Venom are like, no, you don't want that, because then that's just that's complete destruction for the world. It'll just be took over. So there's the, there's the hero part in Venom if you're looking for it. Because that's really the only part of the movie that I really thought, oh, you know, Venom does kind of have a little bit of a good side in it. Or maybe it's just Eddie, you know, kind of showing Venom that you don't have to always be bad. But that was, uh, that was my moment in the movie where I was like, hmm. Huh. It's like, Venom's not just one of those, like, I don't care. Let the symbiotes come back, and then, you know, I'll have just more people like me. No, Venom's not about it in the slightest. And what's really cool in the movie is actually Venom tells Eddie the reason why they work so well together is because Eddie's a loser on his world, and Venom said he was a loser on his. And he said, but together, you know, they make this one strong bond, and how great of a host Eddie is, which I thought was really, really cool. But, I will say, that last 45 minutes of the movie really picked up, but my problem with it is it just, it seemed like, after that, it was, it went by so fast that I'm like, why couldn't you have gave me 20 more minutes, tops? You know? I mean, heck, 15 more minutes extra of this movie would have been great, but... There's a big fight at the end with Riot and Venom that I, I really, really, really enjoyed. Um, cause it was, I finally being that, that kid in me watching the nineties cartoon and seeing Venom and symbiote, other symbiotes fight, um, finally getting to see it on the big screen and, you know, IMAX too, cause Riot is, I think, bigger than Venom in this movie, um. And Venom actually makes a funny line about how he's like, you wouldn't believe all the weapons he's got. So, like, Venom's even kind of like, oh man, Riot's bad. Like, he's he's not someone you want to mess with, but Eddie, we're going to have to stop it. Seeing that, the the kid in me was just so happy, so happy. And even the adult in me was like, this is pretty cool. Like, I really like this, but this movie, this movie isn't just made for all the adults and the people that already know about Venom that's grew up with Venom. This is also made for the kids. Like, the kids that don't know Venom, the kids that have only seen, you know, the, the Marvel movies that has Spider-Man and Captain America, and I'm like, this is getting to see one of Spider-Man's best villains in Venom. So, that was really great, but the fight scene, it's really, really good, um... It happens, and then some stuff kind of happens at the end, you know, to, you know, wrap up the movie and everything. And then, you know, the way the movie ended, I was okay with. it. You know, it it left the door open to where it being PG-13, which a lot of people said it suffered. It should be rated R because that's the way Venom is. Yeah, but, like, here's the thing. You make him rated R, you're probably never going to get him... And Spider-Man in the same movie then. And if some people you're okay with that, more power to you. But me, I would love to see Venom square off against Spider-Man. I'd love to see Venom fight Spider-Man and Iron Man. I'd love to see, you know, Venom take on some of the Avengers or something. Like, I want that. And I want that door to be open. So the PG-13 rating, I was fine with. Because I get movies like Logan needed to be rated R. But Logan, if you think about it, also had a build-up of being PG-13 in and X-Men. And PG-13 for X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is not a great movie. But then the Wolverine, you know, it... It wasn't... I don't, I don't remember. I think... I think it was PG-13. And then they released a rated R. Or maybe it was rated R and they released an unrated cut. But it didn't really push the rated R boundary the way Logan did. But... The X-Men movies that had Wolverine in it, including, you know, X-Men Days of Future Past, I believe that's the one. Or no, it was Apocalypse, I think. I think it's Apocalypse where it shows the Weapon X scene, and oh, you don't even want to get me started on X-Men Origins Wolverine, because the Weapon X scene where he comes out with the adamantium, screaming, you know, got the, the tubes and stuff in him, he's not even dressed or anything, that scene should have been... Bloody, that scene should have been rated R. That was your sole purpose of making X-Men Origins Wolverine rated R. And they missed out. That is a disappointing movie that should have been rated R. Venom, I do not agree that it is a movie that should have been rated R. I think, could the rated R have helped it? Yeah, kind of. Because, I mean, this movie is right on the edge of being, you know rated R because there's stuff that Venom does in it like at one point he he, he's telling this guy all the limbs he's gonna eat off of him and then when Venom goes to do something similar to that the camera just cuts away but you know what Venom's doing so it's not really that big of a deal like it's borderline and then it has you know to be a rated R movie you can say multiple F words in this one to be rated R Venom has one F word, they use it properly, it's not forced, but it was one more F word away from being rated R, and then guess what? There's your R rating, and then there's a bunch of kids that probably won't be able to get in to see Venom. There's a bunch of ticket sales, which, by the way, Venom, after all the critic bashing, still had the biggest opening weekend in October for a movie. Altogether, the opening weekend, it grossed over like $200 million. That is good for a movie in October. That is what I want to hear, because that means we get more Venom movies. And guess what? If you want to make the sequel rated R, because you're not going to necessarily do anything with Spider-Man, that's cool. But leaving this door open, you won't have a a situation where it really kind of can't be opened in China, which is the second largest, like I said. Kind of like how Deadpool 2 wasn't able to be released, so they had to drop it to a PG-13. They just saved themselves that money, but then also they saved that door opening for what the fans want, which is Spider-Man in a Venom movie, or Venom going to be in the Spider-Man universe. That's genius. That's smart on their part. But, to the people that wanted the movie to be R-rated, yeah, but give it time. Who knows, maybe one of the sequels might... Tom Hardy signed on for three of these. We're probably going to eventually get an R-rated Venom movie, if we really want. Or at least a cut of a film. Maybe even this one that's R-rated. Because they said they cut out probably 40 minutes worth of footage. Which, Tom Hardy came out and said it wasn't necessarily, you know, scenes that, you know, really pertain to the story. He said it was just some scenes that was him kind of playing around as Eddie Brock dealing with Venom inside of him. So who knows, we might even get an extended cut that's rated R. That'll give me more runtime, and and it will give everybody the rated R rating that they wanted. But PG-13 Venom, I didn't have a problem with. You don't hear a lot of people saying that, oh, the movie was edited badly, you know, the, the movie, just the pace was all over the place. No, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good movie. It's not the best superhero movie, definitely not the best superhero origin movie, but it's a good movie. And it's a Venom movie like we've wanted. So, be your own judge when you go watch this movie. But, I'm going to get into this, and this is spoilers for the next Venom movie. So, if you don't want to hear this, go ahead and end right here. Please make sure to like and subscribe on my Facebook page. I'm going to upload this to some of my podcast uh, sites uh, when it gets published. Um, I'm officially on Pocket Cast. Uh, I got published on there with my first episode, which this one should be published on there also. Um, I'm hoping to, you know, branch out, you know, get on Apple Tunes and and Spotify and all that. Hopefully, they'll, you know, get me published on there. But um, so at this point, if you don't want to hear the spoilers because you still haven't seen Venom and you don't want to know the, what the mid-credit scene is, then this is where you need to leave, and I'll catch you guys later. For the people of you that are staying the end of the movie, uh, Venom's fiance, Michelle, Williams' character, she asks him, so are you going to still do that piece on the Life Foundation, you know, now that everything's said and done? And he's like, no, no, I've kind of gone more into, I can't believe, I think he said journalism, maybe? Like, written journalism, I believe. But he's like, I got a pretty big story coming up. And she's like, really, what is it? And he's like, I can't tell you that, you're going to have to wait and read it. She's like, huh, gotta wait like everybody else. He's like, yeah. Well, the movie ends, credits start rolling, mid credit scene hits. You see uh, Eddie Brock on his motorcycle, which he has the motorcycle in the movie quite a bit. And if you see the trailers, you kind of see the action scene that takes place with that. But you see him on this motorcycle riding to San Quentin Prison, or Penitentiary. And for you Venom fans and Spider-Man fans, you know where this is going. He rides up, gets off his bike, Venom's talking to him, he's like, shut up. He's like, you know, be quiet while I'm in here. They go in there, and he's talking to one of the guards, which, it's really cool, because the guy that plays the guard is actually the main prison guard in Prison Break. So that was kind of a cool little Easter egg, too, because he's a prison guard in this. And uh, I thought that was really cool, because I'm a Prison Break fan. But he's talking to him, and, you know, they're walking up, and he's telling him about, you know, this crazy guy and everything. And he's like, all right. He's a like, call. Well, he's like, you have, I think he's like 30 minutes or whatever. Opens the door, he's like, Red, someone's here to see you. And you just see this figure standing in a straight jacket with his back to us. And Eddie walks up ready to write down. And this figure has, and I'll admit, I agree with a lot of people that's talked about this, probably the worst red wig I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, we're talking carrot-top fake wig. But, someone with red hair. The character turns around, and it is Cletus Cassidy. You heard me right, Cletus Cassidy. And, Cletus Cassidy is played by Woody Harrelson. And, Eddie's there interviewing him, and he tells Eddie something similar to the lines of, you know, let's let's cut the, you know, crazy serial killer story crap today. I just want to get straight to the point. And he's like, okay, that's fine. He's like, so what do you want to say? And Cletus kind of looks at him, kind of turns his head, does his mouth this weird way. Which, if you've watched the movie Natural Born Killers with Woody Harrelson, that's exactly how you'd want Cletus Cassidy to be played. So I hope that's where Woody Harrelson's going to be mindset-wise for the sequel to Venom, but he looks at him and he cocks his head sideways and he says, when I get out of here, there's going to be carnage. Fades to black. Talk about goosebumps for me. Oh my goodness. That's what I wanted. And really when this movie was announced, I was hoping that carnage was going to be in this movie because I thought that would be the perfect villain to start out this movie with. But then I'm like, eh... Yeah, I mean, it would be, but then maybe they're giving me too much right at the beginning. Unless they did, like, a trilogy of movies where it was Venom, like, tracking down Carnage, you know. um, Because he knows how crazy. And if you guys know about Carnage, Carnage is bad. Carnage is that rated R that everybody's won. Like, that is the person that you would use the R rating on. Because he has done some horrible, horrible things in the comics. But... That has me so excited for the sequel. Like I want it. I want it now. Woody Harrelson as Carnage, Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock and Venom. That fight. I cannot wait for that. So the mid credit scene I think is one of the best mid credit scenes for the movie. One of the best in a superhero movie because it's it's giving people exactly what they're going to want, and it's a lot similar to at the end of Batman Begins, when. Gordon's like, he leaves a calling card, and he flips it over, and it's a Joker card. Because this is Venom's Joker carnage. Like, this is the red symbiote that is an offspring of Venom that is twice as more deadly. It's just, there's nothing good about him. And the crazy thing is is that it's attached to a serial killer like Cleus Cassidy. So, colored me excited Put me down for Venom 2, for sure. Um, heck, I, make it, you know... I don't care if you call it Venom vs. Carnage, Dawn of Justice. I mean, give me that movie. It'll be great. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm I absolutely excited the way that ended. So that's why I thought the movie was good, and then the mid credit scene was great. Which I think just makes that movie that much better, because you're like, man, Riot was, Riot was kind of cool seeing, you know, but... I want Venom vs. Carnage. That's what I want. And they're like, you want it? And thank you sitting for our Origins movie. Because while it did, you know, have some faults in it, and it had some really good moments in it, wait till you see the sequel. So I hope that they don't mess up on the sequel. I hope they get everything right. I hope that Woody Harrelson just absolutely Gets back to some natural born killer style of acting with Cletus Cassidy. And I hope they crush Venom 2. Whatever it's titled. Because I already know Tom Hardy brought it as Eddie Brock and Venom. He gave you that dynamic that you wanted. Now it's time to see Tom Hardy and Eddie Brock versus Cletus Cassidy and Carnage. So, guys, that's my review of Venom. I really enjoyed it. I actually rated it on Flickster to be one of the people in the audience that rated the movie against Rotten Tomatoes. I believe I gave it I gave it four stars out of five just because it it was like childhood nostalgia for me. It was exactly what I wanted when I went into the movie. Like I said, I didn't really have expectations other than what Tom Hardy was going to bring to Eddie Brock and Venom. Like when he was first cast, I I, I was like, That is a great Great choice. I mean just because that that yeah, that's Eddie Brock. Like that's that is perfect, you know. He he can pull off that like kinda buffer stature and then just getting this monster sized symbiote to make him even bigger. He can do that. So I uh, yeah, color me excited for the sequel. Um so guys, I give it four stars on Flickster. Um, On here, I'm just going to say, out of five stars, yeah, I give it four. Uh, I'll typically rate all my movies out of five stars. Um, I'm also on Letterboxd. Uh, I rate movies on there. I also gave it four stars and kind of gave it uh, a nice lengthy review, um, kind of explaining what I thought of the movie. So if you want to read my review, uh, find me on Letterboxd. Um, I'll put my tag in there on the description on this down below also with my facebook tag and my twitter tag and also the link to my youtube so guys i'm gonna get out of here thank you guys for listening to my review of venom hopefully you guys go out and see it if you have seen it let me know what you think on twitter or facebook uh if you haven't seen it if you get a chance go out and watch it if you want to wait till you know it comes out on dvd or whatever and watch it at home that's fine but Help this movie get big so we can get this sequel. If you're a Venom fan and you want Venom and Carnage, it's only going to help if you go out and watch this and then you buy the Blu-ray when it comes comes out. That's what I plan on doing. I'm glad it made so much money this opening weekend, but I know it's got to keep it up for Sony to really be like, okay, we're green light that sequel ASAP. We're doing this. And then Tom Hardy's like, well, I'm already signed on for two more, so let's get this done. So... Guys, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you for listening to my review, and I will catch you guys on the flip side. Mr. Duke Podcast, out.